Hello, this is John Holzman, and welcome to the Patrick Henry Podcast, our weekly look at the decisions made by our unaccountable elite, often disastrous, often remarked, often unremarked upon, and often with no electoral basis to them. And we wonder why the elite around the world is in peril. My job, as Jefferson would have me, is to be a foe to every established government person who fails to explain themselves. And today we're going to talk about one of the key factors in the governments of the world not explaining themselves. This is an incredibly delicate subject, but to shy away from it is irresponsible, which is what governments have been, irresponsible. For over COVID and the crisis, we have without any intellectual discussion, any political discussion, any public policy discussion, allow the elderly to do nothing less than to steal life from the young. What do I mean by this? I mean that even now in Italy, where I live, we see that there's all kinds of efforts to force the young to get vaccinated, even though they have absolutely no chance of dying or indeed going to the hospital due to COVID. One of the things that the virus has exposed and made crystal clear is that people have no knowledge of statistics whatsoever. They do not know how statistics work. They do not know what they mean, and they ignore them. And this huge intellectual academic gap that this isn't taught anymore has been shown over and over again. Rather, people are looking for utopias for no risk of any kind. And indeed, I'm sure that there will be an AP history question years from now, which will go something to the effect of, why in the world did the 2020-2021 world shut itself down due to COVID when it didn't do so due to the Hong Kong flu in the late 1960s, the Chinese flu of the 1950s, and the pandemic, the greatest modern pandemic, the Spanish flu of 1918 to 1921. The world continued as it was instead of everyone scurrying away and pretending somehow Risk could be entirely avoided, and we could live in a state of perpetual security. That has become the greatest danger of all. But we can't even talk about the reality that, indeed, all public policy is risk. All public policy is balancing the wants and needs of various people in your community. And to do so, you have to be able to have a calm, grown-up discussion about the wants and the needs of, in this case, the old and the young over COVID. And I have absolutely no skin in this game. I am neither old nor young, and yet I am aware of who's won this contest that hasn't even been discussed electorally, let alone intellectually. The old have. And this indeed occurred during my time in Washington. I learned that the group that received per capita the most money out of your federal tax dollar were the elderly for the simple reason they're organized, they vote, and they give money to the AARP union, which defends their interests effectively and indeed zealously. The worst group of people with the lowest amount of money for your federal dollar are the group who really ought to receive the most as they are the future of the country. Children, particularly poor children, have a lousy record of lobbying in Congress and get the least amount of money because they don't vote, they're not organized, and they don't have any money. And I think this is what's happened again over COVID. We've all been told a series of intellectual lies. One, we're all in this together. Well, we're not. We're not equally exposed to the virus. It doesn't do equal statistical damage to all of us. Yes, you can always cherry pick an argument against this. But remember, the number of people who actually came down with COVID who are children without prior pathologies in the United States 
is nine. It's estimated by the CDC to be nine. That's right. A baseball team worth of children have died from COVID in a country of 330 million people. Now, obviously, any death is a tragedy, but public policy is weighing the numbers of 330 million people and doing what's best for them. Obviously, children are not going to die or be seriously hospitalized statistically in the United States from COVID, which is not what you can say about the elderly. So let's forget the nonsense that somehow we're all in this together. Rather, we're all stopping our futures, ruining our economic well-being, hunkering down so the elderly do not die in droves. And rather than look at the trade-offs, how long do we hunker down? How long are we going to live with the disease? When do we reach some sort of immunity? These very painful, controversial, difficult questions cannot even be asked because then you hate the elderly, uh, you despise them and hope they die, and all this utter nonsense. But what this hysteria does, rather than following the science, as many of the people who support this view say, they're not following the science, they're following emotions because they don't want to grapple with the fact that we are trading off the youth of today and their formative experiences for a few years of life for the elderly. And we can't even discuss how do we maximize results for both groups. Instead, it's all in for the elderly and the rest of us can go hang. And I think we're going to be paying a social economic and psychological price for this for the foreseeable future. And it's all our fault because we didn't even bother to have the discussion because it's controversial, painful, and yes, difficult. But let's make two facts very clear. COVID unequivocally is an old person's disease. This is not something that we all share equally. Age above everything else is the key determinant in what happens to you regarding COVID. Someone at the age of 85 is 10,000 times more at risk of dying than a child under 10. Let me repeat the statistic and see if this can fathom the craniums of people who've been ignoring statistics. Someone over 85 is 10,000 times more at risk of dying of COVID than a child under 10. The chances of dying from a case of COVID roughly double with every five to eight years of life. As you go, the odds of you getting COVID and dying get worse. Unvaccinated children are safer from COVID today and death than vaccinated adults of any age. Unvaccinated children now far safer from death than vaccinated people of any age. So the next time someone says, well, the vaccinations matter too, of course they do. They're our way out of this. They're absolutely vital. No one's arguing that. But on the other hand, we are ignoring that age is the dominant, predominant factor here. Better to be an unvaccinated child than any sort of vaccinated adult. For most kids, COVID doesn't result in a greater structural risk than the common flu, which kills tens of thousands of people every year, which is terrible, but we don't hunker down and stop civilization because of the flu. So age is the key determinant. The next time someone argues to you, we're all in this together, this affects everyone in society. Of course it does, but it doesn't affect everyone in society equally. And if we're going to start talking about things, let's accept that the vested interest of people who have COVID, the elderly, is to safeguard society, their version of society, far more than the rest of us whose interests are far more served socially, economically, even in health terms. 
than they are by sitting down at home. This is a decision, series of decisions made for the elderly and the elderly alone. The second point is that this, these decisions have fundamental consequences. We have forgotten nearly everything we have known about child development in the name of fighting a disease that poses little risk to children. Again, what are the trade-offs? During the lockdown in the United States, obesity for children increased from an already shameful 36% to nearly 46% of American youth. That's right. Under COVID, there's been a 10% jump in obesity, already ridiculously out of control, already ridiculously out of control, and now there's been a 10% increase in obesity. So nearly half the kids in the United States are grossly obese, are fat, and all the health hazards that come from that, all the things that emanate from this that last your lifetime have occurred as they've sat on the couch and indeed become part of the couch. And everyone who has children, who has seen children in this crisis, is aware that they have been ill-served psychologically now, almost two years into the virus. And I am pleading for us to merely look at the trade-offs, two years too late, but not pretend that theoretically we're all in this together, which really means we're in this for the elderly. This is not good enough. There's been a 334% increase in intentional self-harm in the United States during the lockdown from 13 to 18-year-olds. So teenagers have seen an increase of 334% in self-harm. Human beings are, by nature, creatures that need contact. We are social. We always have been, particularly children form those key social developmental patterns in their early years and teenage years and to forcibly isolate them, to put them in essence under house arrest for two years and pretend that there's going to be no price to be paid for the next 50 years because whether we like it or not, and I don't always, the youth will be the future of every country and we are mortgaging that future as they have no social ties anyway due to the predominance of games and sit there like potted plants far too often. And everyone who's seen children knows this. They don't behave as we used to. It's beyond Orwellian. They're barely aware of the environment around them. And so we decided the best thing we can do for their social development is to keep them under house arrest for the better part of two years. This is shameful and it isn't mentioned nearly enough. We talk about saving the elderly, but we don't talk about the damage being done to the young. 334% more self-harm has occurred. 334% more self-harm has occurred. And this is just the tip of a very large iceberg. Overdose rates among the young during this period of time have also increased by a whopping 119%. Again, unsurprisingly, that children, depressed teenagers, cut off from the vital lifeline of contact with other depressed teenagers who keep each other going. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, my depressed friends were absolutely vital to my well-being and talking through the unfairnesses of life. It was part of being a teenager, part of growing up. We're not allowing them to grow up. We are stunting the plant as it's beginning to grow, all to lock things down to provide the elderly with supposedly perfect security, which is a fantasy. And two years in, someone has to stand up and say, enough. 119% increase in overdoses, 334% increase in self-harm. 
And in the UK, a billion school days have been lost due to COVID restrictions. A billion school days. Now let's get real about education for a second. Leave behind all the nonsense that you know. Everyone who's watched the kids do online learning knows this is an utter farce. By the way, teachers who think online learning is as good as learning in the classroom are talking themselves out of a job. If Open University is as good as going to St. Andrews where I went, I could have saved myself 100,000 pounds. We again are social animals. We learn face to face. There's magic in those interactions and to deprive children of those interactions is not giving them a remotely good enough education. And shame on the teachers unions who I think are the real villain in the COVID piece. Far more than the elderly who are simply protecting their interests, the teachers unions have decided to hide behind COVID to realize what many of us suspected all along. They like their benefits but they don't much like teaching. They would rather promote themselves to the level of principal and have us teach the children. In other words, in-home learning, in-home learning with the parents being the teachers doing the drilling and the teachers now grading the parents' efforts is what's happened. And the teachers have decided they like those box sets and they want to go ahead and monitor parents doing the teaching. And so they'll do anything. To, get, to avoid going back to teaching. I've been a university professor. It's incredibly hard work to be a good teacher. Too many unions and too many bad teachers have hidden behind COVID to now let parents teach while they monitor the parents' teaching. This is shameful and not nearly as good. And the kids have a 16th rate education. I've had interns in my departments for 20 years now, and I can tell you, and from the best universities in the world, and I can tell you, they simply don't know how to link sentences together. And in other words, how, what we used to call how to write. They don't know how to link ideas together, how to think. They don't know how to do research. They're not stupid. They're not any dumber than the rest of us. But they have not been properly educated. And you see that out in the workplace among people like me who hire people. You see this painfully. And what's the way that we're going to get out of this from COVID? How are we going to pretend the kids are all right and everything's okay, even though they don't know anything? Simple. It's already happened in the UK. We'll inflate their grades. We'll give everyone an A. And the cynical conspiracy will continue between teachers who don't want to teach, students who don't want to learn, and parents who only care if Bobby gets an A, but don't particularly care if he knows anything. This will shut everyone up. And you see this great inflation. People are doing away with grades. The woke are saying somehow excellence is a white man's fantasy imposed on the rest of us. By the way, I find that horribly racist to write off the rest of the world as though African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, women, or any other group is incapable of sustained excellence. This is something the Ku Klux Klan would say. And I'm absolutely affronted and appalled by it. But we'll inflate away grades or do away with them altogether. Because if we had any normative yardstick, we'd see what every parent knows to their naked eye. The kids have not learned anything. They are woefully behind, years behind where they should be. And this is the price they've paid to lock everyone down for a false sense of security that doesn't exist. So what should happen? Ideally, if you're elderly, you should minimize your contacts with the rest of us. If you're scared of COVID, you can decide on your own. Again, personal decisions, not government diktats. 
That's what Patrick Henry is about. If you're elderly and you're afraid, vaccination should be made plentiful, available to everyone, which certainly helps the elderly immensely, no doubt about that. And if the elderly it's deemed to need booster shots, well, we should do that too. I think that's great. On the other hand, if they're still afraid of the odds confronting them, even though they're relatively good individually, they should self-quarantine. But the rest of us need to get on with the business of living. As the great comic Bill Maher said the other day, of course the virus is going to mutate. It wants to live. But we also want to live and have to get back to living. And the key determinant for all the economic loss middle-aged people have sustained for the elderly, and by the way, it's enough now, it's the young who have suffered. We see that in the obesity number, the self-harm number, the suicide number, and most of all, educationally. We are rearing a group of people who are confident and know absolutely nothing. Shame on us for pretending that teaching can be replaced with online learning. Again, teachers talking themselves out of a profession when teaching is indeed the most important profession there is going out there. We should pay our teachers infinitely more and fire bad ones. We should move left with payment and right with standards. We need more standards, not fewer standards, if we're going to get through this in any kind of way. But disastrously, we've allowed the elderly to steal life from the young by not seeing these facts, which are on the tips of our noses. Age is the key determining factor of COVID, and the youth have paid a horrendous price. Enough, says I. Thank you very much for listening to the Patrick Henry podcast. I hope you enjoyed this incendiary effort to bring up the fact that we need to have a public policy discussion about COVID, not based on pieties, not based on feeling good rather than doing good, but based on the trade-offs that are inevitable in any public policy discussion. If we can't talk about things in a republic, we won't have one for very long. Please do hit the subscribe button for those of you who enjoyed this. And those of you who have already subscribed, please do give the Starbucks fee of $7 a month or $70 a year. We are churning out a lot of very different, very creative, very on-the-mark content. And in order to do this, to keep out all the middlemen, the editors, the newspaper folk who get in the way where I can talk directly to you, all you have to do is think of me as one cup of coffee a month. And if I'm worth that to you, please do give to us so we can continue at the firm to give you the Patrick Henry podcast, the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, and the book serialization. Next week, it's on to the Rolling Stones, by the way. I look forward to that. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this.